This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 89. Coming up, we discuss how you can improve your health using technology. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast, the podcast dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and well-being through small healthy habits we can start implementing right now. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica, and every other week we sit down with a certified expert to discuss topics that cover nutrition, fitness, and more, and today it's a lot more. On this episode, we are diving deeper into how technology is transforming the health and wellness landscape. With me today is the Director of Health and Wellbeing Programs at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, Cindy Bjorkquist. Good to have you back. Hi, how are you? You know, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. And this is such a fun topic. Well, you know, I know there's going to be so much to this, and you have been, I mean, I don't want to date you, but I mean, you've been at health and wellness for over 35 years, working directly in healthcare for the past 20. So, I mean, you've been into everything from worksite wellness to individuals, and now you're going to be talking today about technology, and it sounds like you're geeked about this. You know, you're so right. The industry has changed so much. I look back on, you know, 35 years ago and what we were doing, and the passion for what I have for this field just exponentially kind of went off the charts a little bit when I started doing this virtual reality exercise and social connection and stuff like that. It's really crazy stuff if you haven't tried it yet. Well, you know, there's so much that's going on that it seems like it's advancing right before our eyes. You know, there's this old saying that there's nothing that's more constant than change, but I think it applies to technology. It just keeps on happening. And in this season we're still in kind of coming out of, everything from exercise bikes got kicked up a notch, meditation apps, self-care. seems like things are increasing tremendously and exponentially as we continue to evolve within that technology or maybe even virtual world, huh? Absolutely. You know, the virtual reality market is expected to reach $34 billion by 2023. And the gaming revenue from the virtual reality, which we're going to talk about a little bit today, how it relates to well-being and exercise, is expected to be over a billion dollars just in 221, according to Finances Online. So it's here. It's solidly here. And for you and me, you know, we're maybe a little bit older than the millennials, you know, and we keep thinking, oh, you know, they should be doing this or, oh, this is, they're already doing it, Chuck. And when I, when I kind of submerged myself into this virtual reality world, because I'm fortunate to have a a couple of boys, sons, adult men (laughs) who do all this already. So I got to experience all this. And probably the easiest way to start the conversation is to think about, you know, when, when people hear virtual reality, they don't really know what it is, but it's the the use of computer modeling and simulation to allow me to interact with this artificial three-dimensional world. It's a visual audio world that you get to step into. And the exciting part for me personally as an exercise physiologist, and I know you work out too, so you're just going to love this if you get a chance to try it, is that it applies to well-being and fitness. You know, two of the most widely things that they're using today under virtual reality and exercise and social connection and how you can improve your overall well-being by doing some of this stuff. And and the two things I'd like people to understand if you've never tried this is the two things are called high immersion and presence. And high immersion is when I'm doing these virtual reality games or exercises, I get immersed into that digital environment. I am highly immersed into it. There's this 360 degree view 
an audio once I put that headset on that my brain thinks I'm there. And it's hard to explain, Chuck, until you've done it, but your brain thinks that you're there. And the second thing is that it's called presence. The brain thinking that you're there means that your brain thinks it's real. So your subconscious tricks you into thinking this digital world that you're looking at and you're listening to and that you're submerged into is your physical world and your brain can't handle two worlds at one time. So you literally think you're in that world. And it's not all a trick, though, because we were talking off mic a few minutes ago. I mean, if you're going to do boxing in a virtual reality world, you're still going to break a sweat, right? Because you're boxing somebody. So it's not it's not like you're faking it. You really are boxing. Absolutely. So let's talk about the faking it first. So the first thing that I would recommend that anybody would go through and, and try virtual reality is that they they do it like as an intro exercise. My son did this to me. He put me in his basement, huge basement, cement floor. I put the headset on. I put the controllers in my hand and he had me walk or, or sit. No, I was standing and go in an elevator. So I put the headset on. I feel like I'm going up and down. So that's your brain thinking that you're doing it. And Stanford University actually did a study on this, and they said it takes a couple of minutes for your brain to code that you're in this digital world. So he had me go up and down this elevator. So I'm going up the elevator, I'm going down. Then he opened the door of the elevator, and he had me walk a plank. Now, envision yourself like at the top of the Empire State Building. You think you're there, there's a plank out in front of you, and I'm supposed to walk out on the plank. Drew, my son says, walk out into the plank. Chuck, I took the headset off and I looked at him and I'm like, I can't do it. He said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I could not make myself because when you put your foot out on the plank, it creaked and then you felt the wind. So it took me a little bit to walk the plank. So I finally convinced my brain to walk the plank on his cement floor. And then he said, now jump off the plank. I'm like, my brain would not allow me to jump off the plank on the cement floor, right? Just jump right. next to myself. So that's what Stanford University is talking about is the ability to apply this virtual reality to things like you and I've been doing for a very long time, which is exercising, you know, using that technology, the headset and the apps to immerse ourselves into a workout environment. And you brought up boxing. So the next thing I did after walking the plank and jumping off the plank, which took me five or six minutes to convince my brain to do, is that I started boxing another person, another avatar person. So I'm trained in boxing and martial arts. And so I was boxing a guy in his basement totally thinking I was boxing another person using all the you know moves that I've been trained to do with martial arts and boxing. And I got winded, like you said, it was a workout for me. I played ping pong and went against an avatar and played ping pong. And uh, yes, I did not win. That avatar beat me every single time. <laughs> uh, people use it for dancing and you know, mirror movements that people are dancing. I did an interval training one where this is kind of like an interval training where imagine you've got a headset on and you're standing there and you've got these controllers in your hand. Your right controller is red on screen. Your left controller is black. And you see these boxes come flinging at you. And the boxes will have an arrow which points up, down, or right, and left. So as you're watching these boxes come towards you, if it comes towards your head, you have to duck. So you're doing a squat. If it comes towards you with an arrow, you have to swipe up or swipe left. So you're moving the whole entire time. And what they're finding is not only does it help with physical health because you're squatting and moving and you know going from side to side, 
But there's also some studies that talk about what it's doing to your brain with recall and with memory and stuff like that. So there's all these universities that are doing studies that are looking at the physical outcomes like body composition, fitness level, muscular strength. Two thirds of the people that were in this one study, it was like a University of Minnesota, they showed positive results from VR workouts. So you just, you know, you just said it, you know, you can use this stuff to get a really good workout. And the interesting thing about it too, is that people who are doing the workout, like me doing that workout, I reported a lower exertion rating than what I was actually doing, like heart rate correlation. And so, because it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I want to hook you up and show you what it is. That's just so much fun. No, I, I'm really excited because, you know, you mentioned the, like there could be some age-related issue to adoption or being an early adopter of this. And, and I'll admit that, you know, having five millennial kids, that that's probably the truth, that that's where it's going to come from. But you said so many things in just a couple minutes that I'm my brain is just clicking away. Like, I remember my son, Matt, who's a Ph.D. in neuroscience. He was teaching a class to Parkinson's patients on boxing. And then I've talked to other people who are taking dance classes because of things from dementia to Parkinson's and otherwise. So the notion of being able to employ this kind of technology for workouts for everybody sounds great. And then for specific groups that have needs where maybe they don't, they can't get in a car and go anywhere by themselves. Oh my gosh, the healthfulness and the wellness that could just come to people in a box seems astounding. Yeah, I like how you said health and wellness too, because that's what it really does as well, is there's a bunch of applications out there yeah. that help people with mindfulness and meditation. I actually woke up the other day and used uh, the Oculus headset, and I usually meditate in the morning, and I meditated with the Oculus headset in the mountains. So instead of you know in my house and doing a meditation, I went into this mountain. So think of me on because I'm a climber. I love being you know scrambling and being in mountains and stuff. A hiker. So I'm at the top of a mountain. I'm looking at birds. I'm feeling the breeze. I'm at my happy place, which is on the top of a mountain, and I'm meditating there in the morning. You know, so mindfulness meditation. We talked about memory, response time. There's so many things that people can do with this. I think under, you know, beyond this whole fitness category, there's another huge area that I'm so interested in that my son has really opened my eyes to. Imagine this, your son's in neuroscience. Imagine your son, my son came to me and said, do you want to go to a concert during COVID? Do you want to go to a concert? It was like last July or August or something. I said, no, we're not going to a concert. He's like, well, we're going to go to a concert with 8 million people. So he brought <laughs> over his VR stuff. And we actually went to a concert with 8 million people from around the world. It was what they call social virtual reality. He was getting connected with people from all over the world and watching a concert with 8 million people. And then we walked around as avatars and we got to meet people from all over the world, Czechoslovakia, Russia. There were some people from Michigan there. So when you walked up to the avatar and you're listening to this music, you could go into a chat room and chat with that person if you knew their language or if they talked, you know, um, English. But it, it's a different way of getting people connected, which you and I know help with social connection, helps with our overall well-being. People intuitively have to be connected to other people. And so I get to go to a concert with 8 million people and meet people and talk to them. And, you know, he goes to movies on a Friday night in a theater, your avatar sitting in a theater, 
And he will go to a movie with people from all over the world, five or six gamers that he's really good friends with that he games with as well. And they'll watch a movie together, chat, talk like they're in the same room. Well, you know, and you're talking about being outdoors. So I can see, too, how maybe one of the benefits to this is that you've never thought of climbing rocks or you want to go forest bathing. You know, we read studies about that all the time. But that this notion of coming in through the virtual reality door sparks your interest and now you're on your way out to Utah. You know what I mean? I think there's could be an interesting way to hook people on some new experience they've never participated in. Yeah, I love that idea. You're exposing people to other things that they would not otherwise be exposed to. And then they can go to choose to do it yeah. on their own if they want. And the one thing that, that I think is interesting when you talk to people who are fully submerged into this virtual reality world is that they talk about that it's a lifestyle. You know, it's a lifestyle to them, similar to how you and I might have a lifestyle where we would go to dinner with people or we would go for a jog with people or a bike ride with people. They choose to do this type of lifestyle. And that was kind of an interesting point. One of the things that I've been really diving into because of my job and, you know, well-being and what we do is to look into self-care. You know, self-care was such a hot topic last year because of COVID. We wanted people to make sure they prioritize their mental and physical health. And these virtual reality applications are, are just exploding in the space. And let me explain the one that I got to experience, which was um, including self-talk for mental health. Envision yourself putting on a headset, you have an avatar, you say a positive affirmation to yourself, like say my positive affirmation is I can do this, you know, it could be related to a workout, it could be related to your job, you know, whatever it is, I can do this. You're looking at your avatar, you're saying I can do this. Then this self-talk VR application will take you outside of your avatar and then you're watching yourself say the positive affirmation, I can do this. So again, it's this using virtual reality for self-talk to improve someone's mental health, their well-being, and the application that that has for people that want to use that. You know, you go to a therapist, you go to a counselor, they're going to tell you to do positive affirmations. It's taking it just a little bit further than that, saying, I'm going to say it to myself, but then see myself say it to myself. That's pretty wild because, you know, in the old days, if you talk to yourself, that may have been your problem to begin with, right? I mean, you know, in my I case, that. I answer myself, you know, so I think I'm okay. But, you know, this is this this harkens back to the old Saturday Night Live bit, you know, where I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, and doggone it, I like myself, you know, looking in the mirror. But this is just a new spin on some of the things about self-affirmation that we've all seen and heard, whether it's, you know, tongue-in-cheek or otherwise. Absolutely. I don't think you and I can even think about where this field is going to be five years from now. Some of the stuff that I've been reading, applying virtual reality, you know, besides the exercise and the social and the mindfulness and meditation and all the things that we've been talking about, there's a, a newer version of what's happening in virtual reality and medicine. And they actually call it therapeutic virtual reality. It's where they're using virtual reality technology for patients. And Think about the application of, um, this is the example I'm talking about. When I read about pain control using virtual reality, they were talking about patients and putting headsets on. And for me, it'd be going to the mountains and 
whatever procedure I'm having done, then I would have less pain. So in my head, I started thinking, well, why aren't they using this for dentists? You know, the dentist would put, and then I read an article that said, dentists have been using it for five years, you know, kind of thing. That is so wild. You say that I, I literally today, no joke, I got a teeth cleaning, right? So no heavy duty lifting, but they put the little glasses on, on me, you know, so that the spray doesn't come up. Yeah. And I said, why aren't these like virtual reality glasses? And I could be off somewhere else. And they went, yeah, that's a great idea. And I thought, wow, it is a good idea. I hope we don't go to the same dentist because <laughs> my, my dentist that I went to, it was like, I don't know, a couple months ago before I really started. It was right after I started really diving into this. And I said to the dentist, you know, the light up there, you guys should actually do virtual reality in the light. And, yes. the, and then I read about it in an article. So that's my point. The application of where this is going for pain therapy, you know, physical therapy, they've got anxiety. Um, they've even had med students that are being trained using virtual reality. Because think about it, they could go inside the body, they could autopsy the body, but they could go inside the body and take a visual tour of what's going on to really learn about things. So in this medical field beyond exercise and all the things that we're talking about, you know, the sky's the limit on what's going on right now. And while we're kind of hyper-focused on this, and I'm glad we are because it's so interesting, there are still so many other options that we're used to or that some of us don't haven't even caught up to. So mobile apps, uh, live streaming, right, and just wellness gadgets of many different kinds. And then there's, you know, the stuff that I, we're still goofing around with, and our grandkids find this to be so funny because they've gotten hooked on Wii Sports, which is like, you know, the precursor to everything you're talking about. So literally, there's my little avatar, and I'm bowling with somebody. And so there is still the old school, and then the people who are trying to catch up, who all they want to do is download an app on their phone, and to them, that's as cool as it's going to get. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about your comment about the Wii, because I have one of those in my basement, too, in a box <laughs> somewhere. But remember, the Wii is, you see an avatar, and you're bowling, but you're not in there. You're not submerged. Right, remember right. those two things I talked about, which is submersion, you know, your high immersion and your presence. I got I got to get you to to try this. You need to try this because the difference is with the Wii, I really didn't feel like I was there. Yeah, it was fun. I was bowling with my avatar, whatever. When you put the headset on and you do the plank exercise and you do the elevator and your brain adjusts, like Stanford University says, your brain cannot remain in two realities at the same time. So you think you're there. So you're not just bowling against an avatar you're standing next to the avatar. You know, that's the difference of the we and the virtual reality that we're doing today, because I've done both. And this thing, when I started doing this, you know, with these headsets, it was something that literally blew me away. It was something that I just went, no way. I mean, my brain, you know, no, I'm not on a plank. I'm on the cement floor. And that's the difference. And I think that's why people like it so much because, you know, your bikers, your runners, your hikers, they get to experience being in that environment. And you can still get a cardio workout. You can still do all those things. But, you know, you, you know, for mindfulness and meditation and self-care and just taking that deep breath to bring your anxiety down, that would require you to be in a place where you want to be. And that's kind of a cool thing about this too, is that I would be in the mountains. That's my place. But another person might want to be underwater because the beach is their thing. So there's an app out there where you can submerge yourself underwater. You're sitting in the bottom of the ocean. You seriously think you're in the bottom of the ocean. I haven't done this one yet, but I'm going to do it. 
and you watch dolphins go by and you swear you're reaching out and you can touch a dolphin, you know, and that kind of stuff. So you're breathing and doing mindfulness meditation in an environment that you choose and you are there. Your brain is telling you that you're there. And I could see how that would be helpful. There could be somebody who's afraid of the ocean, or in my case, walking out on the plank. I'll tell you what, I will fly an airplane as a pilot, but if you ask me to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, I would freak out, right? Unless it's on fire. I would freak out. So for me to learn how to walk the plank and jump would be kind of a, uh, a nudge, forgive the pun, toward mm-hmm. healthfulness, because I'm kind of afraid of that idea of walking a plank and going off the edge. So maybe we could break some bad habits or get past some phobias with the help of the technology, too. That's pretty well. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are actual companies that are using virtual reality to even train their like truck drivers to, I'm in a truck and a semi and I'm driving. And what do you do if a kid runs out in front of you or for car? You know? So they're using it for that. There are companies that are using it for onboarding new employees. You know, you put the headset on and it can take you into a spin of an environment of what, you know, maybe it's a multi-global company. And so they actually are, are doing that. And to your point about how fast the industry is going, when I did this session on virtual reality for a program that I help manage, which is called Blue Cross Virtual Wellbeing, and you can get to it by bluecrossvirtualwellbeing.com, and I think you're going to include the link in your show. On a Tuesday, I was talking about how it would be really cool to you know, be in a meeting room and have the headset on and actually turn and look at you. Like right now, I would be turning and looking at you like you're sitting right next to me. That's what it would bring to this. And then two days later... You know, you get this big announcement that Facebook went live with um, actual meeting rooms where you can do that. You know, so that's how fast this industry is going, that they're just cranking these apps out for people, not only in fitness and well-being, but also for connectedness or for your jobs or we're working remote. And so how does it play into that? There's just so many different applications to the virtual reality. So you are obviously on fire for this, but when you've now been in it, you've immersed yourself and you're looking at it professionally as well. What do you see as drawbacks that you would wave any caution flags to any of us about being careful about going into these technologies? Is there? Yeah, there are. And I think the the main drawbacks for me are one was the price, but the prices are coming down. So that's good. Second is if you have any kind of motion sickness at all, then it takes you a while to get acclimated to it. Now I have severe motion sickness. You don't want to take me fishing on Lake Erie. I've done that before and it's not a very good situation, but I, it took me like maybe 15 minutes to get used to it. But I think as an exercise physiologist, the drawback I have, and you brought it up a little bit earlier, is that people may use this as a crutch not to be face-to-face with people and that they might get a little social isolation, a little bit from that real live. Like, I want to be in the studio with you right now talking. We can do this virtually, but it really is kind of cool to be with you. And so these people might tend to draw back from really meeting with people face-to-face, and you would lose those communication skills. Now, I say that only because I'm not a gamer and I'm not a person submerged in this. My son, who is a gamer and is submerged and has his job around this, he would tell me, that's why he gave me the lecture about it being a lifestyle and that people who use this a lot are aware of that danger and they really balance it in their life. They don't, you know, there's not a fear of that for them and that 
you know, the world is changing and the benefits that he gets from his global interaction from people all over the world offset the fact that he's not getting on a plane and, you know, going to Sweden or something. So balance is the key, I think, with anything. Yeah, I can see that. We have a daughter who's um, a Dave Matthews, you know, nut. And so, I don't know, in in the past uh, half dozen years, 42 concerts in multiple places, literally being there. Wow. That's the way that that whole thing works. However, I could also see that if she found out there's one next week in Seattle and she can't just hop on a plane to go and she can wear the little ribbon that says I was there virtually and now it's 43, but it wasn't the real deal. She's still holistically into it. But yet this is a supplement. It's an addition. It's a gee whiz factor. So, yeah, maybe it'll all kind of find its way into a, you know, a nice little package. You know? Yep. Give it a couple years because globally we're already there. Like he took me to that concert. I think the concert was either out of uh, China, Russia, you know, somewhere like that. Wow. But because this is his field, he is global in what he does. And he will constantly always tell me that, you know, the United States is behind on this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that he's involved with, all the concerts, all the get-togethers, usually it's people from all over the world, and they're used to it already. We're just a little bit, you know, slow coming to it, but she'll have that concert in a couple of years, I guarantee it. Now, you you went right past something that I find very interesting about this, and I guess there's an up and a downside to the notion of cost, because we know this with streaming and all the options we now have for watching our favorite programs, right? How many different services can we get, and yet we do, and in this case, are we going to pay to have our bike with a screen, help us, you know, bike the Swiss Alps. Are we going to then have a, an app on our, or 10 apps on our phone that do something? And then we're going to have the virtual reality glasses. And then we're going to have the gadget on my wrist, you know, my Apple watch that tells me it's time to sit, stand and do and whatever. And so uh, at some point, you would hope there would be continuity, but I don't see that they're combining all of this into one service that makes it simple. It just seems like we've got to pick and choose, right? Yeah, I, I think for the people that are dabbling it, it, it is a little scattered. But I think, again, I'm so fortunate to to learn from my son who's doing this. He has it all rolled into what he does. So he he built his own computer, but he purchased the interface and the system that gives him the ability to do everything. So that's what he would say. I would say, yes, I've got a a watch on, I use this for multiple things. I've got a bike right here, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I think in the future, what you're going to see is right now, and I'm not even going to say future, I'm going to backtrack on that. Right now you buy a device, then you buy apps to go on that device. And so what he was explaining to me is that that underwater one, I could add that for like 10, I think it's $10 add that underwater one to the system that he has because you just, the apps are super cheap once you get the system. Once you get the goggles and you get the things in your hands, whatever one you're going to use, because there's multiple ones out there, then you just very cheaply be able to add apps to that to do what you want to do. So it's driven by the system that you purchase. Now, the system was out of control. When I first learned about this, like five or six years ago, I was dabbling in it in the fitness world to see what was going on. They were very expensive and they've drastically come down because again, more researchers are looking into what it can do, particularly for fitness, which is a huge boom. You know, people make a lot of money off fitness, but then the applications to all the different things in our life, like medical anxiety and counseling and all the things that it can apply to. So now in the last five years, it's been exploding. And what should we take into consideration when we're trying to implement other technologies into workouts or 
you know, we're trying to bring our gadgets along. Do you have advice if, if we step away from the virtual reality world for a minute? What should we be thinking about when we're trying to implement this stuff to make our lives work with fitness and health? I'm a huge proponent of using what will make you happy. And it sounds so simplistic, but you can't use a device that's so complicated that it stresses you out. And you can't get this reliance on your device. So and I'll give you an example of what I mean by reliance on your device. I was so obsessed at one point in my life for making sure that every run that I went on was logged onto my watch, that if I went for a run and I forgot my watch and it wasn't on, I would run home and get my watch and then go for my run. Or I would, on my Apple watch, I would not hit activity. Like I'm going for an outdoor run. And then maybe two miles into it, I'd go, oh shoot, you know, and flip back over again. Don't be so reliant on it that it stresses you out, causes you anxiety. Find something that's fun. It works for you. It's in your price range and you enjoy using it because at the end of the day, your physical health is important. Your mental health is just as important, and you have to balance both of them together. And your budget is important, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, in my case, so I do have a lot of tech. I, I kind of like that. I am not in the VR world yet, mm-hmm. but then I still have a, I guess it would still be considered old school, though I know they still make them and I see them in a salt bike, you know, the one that looks like the Airdyne oh, yeah. where you've got the handles. I just like the heft of it. I like the weight of it. And I thought, well, I should get a new bike with a big screen. And I thought, no, I like my bike. I just like that bike. And so I'm going to stick with that bike and then I'll let the technology kind of fill in around me. And so far, that's bringing me joy and happiness. And I guess that's kind of what you're saying. Just go with your own flow, right? Yeah. And I think people, you know, we go back to the to the cons of this or some things that you might be thinking about. For me personally, I read so much. You brought up forest bathing. I read so much about nature and the application of being out in nature. Mm-hmm. The virtual reality gives me the ability to go to a mountain to meditate. But I still think you cannot replace me getting on my bike or putting on my hiking shoes and being in trees. Because for me, that's how I regenerate my self-care. That's how I get my energy back, both mentally and physically and spiritually, is to be in trees. And so I think maybe 99.5% of it is, you know, put it on and and go on the top of the mountain. But I don't know. I'm old school. I'm still an advocate for going for a walk in the trees, Chuck. Yeah, well, and, you know, we live in the prettiest state in the world for fall, right? But there are only so many weekends you can go experience that for real. And then if it rains, well, then maybe that changed your weekend. So I can still see this as an adjunct where maybe in the middle of a blizzard you can visit Hawaii and calm your life down, right? I mean, it's just something that you can fit in in places. I don't know. I took up snow, fat tire biking last winter. <laughs> so when you said the blizzard, I'm still out there in you the trees. You don't have enough stuff. You don't have enough things you're doing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, that is great. Getting out in the snow too. It's interesting. I think, and we've said this a couple of times, you know, what does the future hold? I got to bring up one crazy thing because you'll enjoy talking about this with your son. The one thing that blew me away a little bit is the idea of brain computer interface. You know, that's where we're going with this eventually is brain computer interface. And the way that that this was explained to me is that it's about 
computer-based system, like a computer that acquires brain signals when you do something, hmm. it analyzes it, and then it translates that into a command that makes you do something. And, and I'll tell you how they came to it really quick. They had monkeys sitting at a computer with a joystick, you know, an old joystick we used to use. Mm -hmm. Then the monkey, if he moved the joystick that made a box go to the upper right of the screen, he got a sip of like a drink. So the monkey was sitting there doing the joystick back and forth and the, the box was moving and he was getting his drink. And then the researcher mapped the signals from his brain of when he was making it go right, go left, go up and go down. Then they unplugged the joystick and they were able to map the brain of the monkey and what he thought when he wanted the cursor to go up. And then it led to him moving it with his brain. Well, you know, I just read that there's a car, major car manufacturer says they're going to have a self. We already hear about self-driving cars. It will self-drive based on your thoughts. Yes, exactly. And so that is kind of like driving an entire vehicle like a Segway, right? It's You don't have to lean to just make it go. It's It kind of feels like you're thinking, well, actually, you're kind of leaning and the thing moves forward. But this is different. This is exactly what you're talking about. It is coming right before our eyes. It's happening around us right now. Crazy stuff. I envision like the application for me would be I would close my eyes and think about meditating on that mountain and I wouldn't have to put the headset on. I wouldn't have to put the hand, you know, and I would just think it's scary stuff, but, you know, it's kind of a little mind control-ish. But I think there's so many applications right now that if people have not tried this and they want to try something different, you know, every time we try something different, that folds into our well-being as well. You know, it builds synapses. You can actually build new brain cells by trying something new. And I think that's kind of what I got out of it as well as I just had a whole bunch of new synapses and brain cells forming when I tried this because I was so engaged and so in submerged into this environment that I was really having a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's just so much here you're talking about. I, I'm just envisioning, you know, you're putting on the set of goggles or eventually it'll just be a pair of glasses that tint, you know, like the kind that tint when you go outside in the sun. So maybe someday it'll get that easy, but you literally could be taking advantage of an increase in your health and wellness while walking through, pick one, the Sistine Chapel, while walking through the forest. You know, you could be experiencing art, beauty, nature, while getting a workout. It doesn't have to seem like it's all heavy lifting. Yeah. Like I'm on my treadmill. Like you said, if it's pouring down rain, I don't run in the rain. So if it's pouring down rain, I'm on my treadmill in my basement. You know, today you can look at a screen. I don't know how you would do a VR headset on when you're running. I might fall off the treadmill, but you know, but you get it. You know, you, you're, you just, you submerge yourself into a different environment and it tricks your brain. And I need to remember to give you the name of the game that I played of the boxes that were flying at you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause if you ever do try this, you gotta, I can't remember the name of it, but you can, you should try this because that in itself, the squats that you were doing and the moving from, I was sore the next day. I was really shocked on how much of a cardio workout I was getting. And I was laughing, you know, not a cardio workout where you're going out and you're doing interval training and you're not laughing. I was laughing while I was cardio working. And so <laughs> yeah. that laughing and joy, that's why they say that people that do this stuff have a lower rate of they, what they think they're doing for an exertion. But at the end of the day, they match heart rate and blood pressure and all the things that you look at cardiovascular and you're working harder because you're having so much fun doing it. So, you know, like we go back to what you said, you know, you got to find something 
that resonates with you, that's fun, that you want to engage with and brings you joy, and then you'll do it more often. You know, there's something else that you've embraced, and a lot of us do this, and we don't even think about it. I read a title of something, and it's called Reverse Mentoring. And at first I thought, wait, wait a minute. Oh, I get it. So we can teach our kids how to change the oil in the car or screw in a light bulb, right? As parents, there are certain things we should be teaching our kids. But the kids can also be teaching us. And this notion that there can be, if you're open to it, reverse mentoring, that your son is showing you a whole new world and you're embracing it. That's fantastic. You know, isn't that what happens? You know, I, <laughs> I'll have to tell him the fancy words that you use, reverse mentoring, because when, when this topic came up a couple of months ago and I wanted to do a show on this for virtual well-being, that's exactly what I did is I called him and said, can I have an hour of your time and you <laughs> yeah. can school me? And then I started reading all the research and he... He schooled me more than a lot of the articles that I read, so yeah. That's great. Well, if you had, you've run through so many things for us. If you could close your eyes for a minute and pick one thing that you think is achievable in the very near future, what would be something you'd like to see created or improved upon? You've kind of talked about a few of them already. Something that would help us all with our health and well-being. What would that be in technology? Oh, probably for me, because in my very long career in this field, the number one thing that is hard for people to do is change their behavior, change their behavior to get healthier. And so probably my wish would be whatever it is, whatever application it is, that it would help people not become accountable because that sounds like a negative, but help people get into the I can do it where they actually take that step forward to improve their health, whatever it is, start exercising, start meditating, start eating better, Whatever it is that it helps people understand that there's some urgency when it comes to overall well-being and health, and it helps them make that first step. Because once you take that first step, like when you put your tennis shoes on and you go out for a walk or a run, once you take that tennis shoes around, you lace them up and you get out the door then it becomes okay. Then you breathe, you know, and then you, you're you there and you, the oxygen starts flowing. You're bathing your body in feel-good things that go on, hormones and enzymes, all the things that happen in your body when you start exercising or doing what you need to do, somehow just help people get there. That would be my wish. Yeah. And any other takeaways you want for us? Because today you're our chief encourager. I mean, you really are. You're like an evangelist for this stuff. I'm just on fire. I want to get all this stuff now. Yeah. You keep using the word fire. And I laugh at that because when I did the virtual well-being session, I kept saying my brain was on fire. My brain was on fire. I'm excited. Yeah. So the thing, maybe the one more thing to leave people with is maybe virtual reality isn't what you're looking to do. Mm -hmm. But I got so excited because I tried something new. And there is a lot of research on overall well-being and how you can improve that by trying something new. So whether that be virtual reality, whether it be starting to exercise, start to eat, or you know, build things. I'm also an avid builder with power tools. It's just something I love to do. Find something that you've always wanted to do as a child or young adult, and then just do it because you're building new brain cells, you're building new cells in your brain, new synapses, but it gives you that I don't know, that that revitalization to keep going in life and to have some passion and some joy about something. So Try something new. It, maybe it's not VR, but it might be VR. I've got fat tire biking in the winter on my list now, oh. so I'm encouraged. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's Come good. with me. We'll go in the trees and <laughs> the snow, and it's amazing. Well, one more shout-out for the virtual well-being webinars. How do we find those? 
Yeah. So these are webinars that we started in January, 2019 and they're live shows and they're on Thursdays at noon and you can get there. Our landing page is just Google bluecrossvirtualwellbeing.com. It'll get you to a landing page. There are employer ones on Tuesdays that you'll see. So don't hit that one, hit the member one. So you don't have to be a member of Blue Cross. It's member and public. We opened them to the public. You'll see past webinars and you'll see future webinars that you can register for. They're kind of like a quick, you know, live show where you see me on camera. We talk about different topics every single week. They're all stored on demand. So you can listen to them at your own leisure if you want to, but they're all topics about well-being, how to improve your well-being and and hopefully we inspire a lot of people. There's a weight loss section on Thursdays. We call it Drop Five. It's a virtual community of thousands of people to get together to lose five pounds at a time and encourage everybody. So it's a really cool thing that Blue Cross is actually funded on Thursdays. Well, that's fantastic. And we'll make sure we put the link in the show notes so everybody can go back and find those. Yeah, it is so great to catch up with you again. Oh, wonderful. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Cindy Bjorkquist, who is currently Director of Health and Wellbeing Programs at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, joining us today with so much cool stuff to talk about. Uh, We're glad you're with us. Thanks for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast. It's brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like the show, you want to know more, you can check us out at ahealthiermichigan.org slash podcast. You can leave us reviews or ratings. We actually encourage you to do that on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. You can get new episodes, old episodes for your smartphone or tablet. And always subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. I'm Chuck Gatica. Be well.